Welcome to another episode of the Father Ted Talk, broadcast here at the National Shrine of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We've got some big news at the Seton Shrine. In this 200th year, we have some very special artifacts from Mother Seton coming to Emmitsburg, including her original bonnet, a christening gown she sewed for her daughter, and a lot more. A special exhibit is coming this summer where you can see these treasured relics on display. Now here's Father Ted. When our Lord appeared to St. Faustina in Poland almost 100 years ago now, he asked her that the Sunday after Easter be dedicated as a Feast of Mercy. In the year 2000, when St. Faustina Kowalska was canonized, John Paul II established the Sunday after Easter as Divine Mercy Sunday. Jesus also asked St. Faustina that on this Feast of Mercy, all priests should preach about the mercy of God. And so that's what I'm going to try to do today. There was an old Jesuit priest in my home parish, and he had a very you know, caring heart, and he was a very inspiring figure in my own vocation. I spent a lot of hours in the confessional up to the weeks before he died. Uh, we always loved him because he would give us a single Hail Mary as a penance no matter what you did. And so the line was always very fast as well. And he told a story one time about these boys that were coming into confession at their parish. And the first one comes in and he confesses that he threw peanuts into the water. And Father says, like, okay, I guess that's wasting food. This is your penance. Now go in peace. And the next boy comes in. I threw peanuts into the water. That's okay. Kind of strange that you did that too. But okay, here's your penance. Now go in peace. And a third one came in, and a fourth one came in, and all of them were throwing peanuts into the water. And so the priest is getting a little bit confused by this, and so the, finally the ninth boy shows up, and, he's, and the priest just jumps out at him and says, let me guess, you threw peanuts into the water. And he says, no, but my nickname is Peanuts. <laughs> it took me a while to get it too, so... This is a very appropriate day for us to celebrate the mercy of God because it's in today's gospel that we see his mercy on such vivid display. And the first act of divine mercy that comes up in today's gospel is our Lord's attitude. And to understand why that's our Lord's attitude is merciful, we have to understand what happened right before this gospel. This gospel took place, the first half of this gospel took place on Easter Sunday. So the apostles had just finished giving a very poor display of faithfulness to Jesus Christ. In his hour of greatest need, they all turned their backs and ran so as to save their own hides. And then one of them, we know, denied even knowing him three times. And so Jesus comes into the apostles' midst as they are huddled in fear in this upper room for fear that something bad is going to happen to them. And in the Gospel of Luke, it actually tells that they, that they were more terrified when Jesus appeared in their midst. They thought they were seeing a ghost. And there's one exegete that says that they might have also been afraid that this ghost was here to take revenge on them, to get back at them for their lack of loyalty. And that's actually what some people would do. But this is the mercy of Jesus Christ, where he does not come to seek revenge for the peop- on the people that denied him and offended him. But he says to them, peace 
be with you. And that's not just hello. That's not just a greeting. That's not how are you doing, or I hope you, good things happen to you. When he says peace be with you, that peace, shalom, in the Jewish biblical context, refers to a very specific reality. It refers to a relationship where everything is as it should be. So when there are two individuals at peace, it means that they are on good footing. They are in the right relationship with each other. They're friends, we can say. And so Jesus is coming into the apostles' midst and saying, even though you have failed completely, you can still be friends with God. There can still be friendship between us, even if you have denied and betrayed me and abandoned me. And this is what he says to all of us as well. We who have run from Jesus, we who have abandoned the commandments, to us too, he says, peace be with you. And not just to us, but also remember what happens next in the gospel. Jesus comes back. Because Thomas was not in the midst. Thomas was not there with the apostles. Thomas was not with the eleven. And there's one American bishop that points out that this is a biblical talk for saying he was not in the church. Because where the apostles are, where the bishops are, where the pope is, that's where the church is. And so if you separate yourself from the bishops and the pope and the magisterium, you are separating yourself from the church. And so the one apostle who was not with the eleven in the church, we can say, was the one who didn't find, encounter the risen Christ. Because the risen Christ is to be found in the church. But even then, the Lord came looking for Thomas. He came back. And Thomas stubbornly refused to believe the apostles, and he put down some very strict conditions. I will believe if Jesus does the following. If he shows me his hands, if I put my hand into his side, if I can see the marks of the nails, then I will believe. So Thomas is giving the conditions of his belief. And Jesus mercifully acquiesces to his requests. He's somebody who goes in search of the lost sheep, no matter how stubborn they are. And that very act of allowing Thomas to insert his hand into the wounds is the third element of mercy in today's gospel. Now, sometimes we think that Jesus with his wounds is a little disturbing. You might have even seen some rather illustrative depictions of the wounds of Christ. If you've ever seen the Passion of the Christ, you'll remember the very final scene This is a little bit of a spoiler, but the final scene is him rising from the dead, and the shot, the very last shot of the movie, is of a gaping wound in his hand where the nails went through into the wood of the cross. And these same gaping wounds are still with Christ even today. And these are not wounds that are meant to disturb us or make us feel queasy or guilt trip us. But like St. Thomas Aquinas said, these wounds have been transformed by God into reminders of the mercy of the Most High. This is how much he is willing to do for you. In fact, every single depiction of Jesus with the wounds is a reminder of God's mercy. So when we look at the crucifix, it's not just to guilt trip us. When we look at the image of divine mercy, like the picture of divine mercy that Jesus asked St. Faustina to have painted, The very image of divine mercy has the wounds with Jesus Christ. Because they remind us of his mercy. They are his invitation to us. Calling us back. 
there was a woman in Brazil who had a who used her own image to do something similar. This woman, her name was Maria, and she grew up in a poor town, and she had a single daughter by the name of Christina, and with Maria's work, they had made a living, they got by, but when Christina was around 15 years old, she too wanted to work, and she wanted to go into the big city to work. She wanted to go to Rio de Janeiro. De Janeiro. And the mother knew that there, there wasn't going to be work for a poor, uneducated 15-year-old in the big city, and only bad things were going to happen, so she said no, she said no. But then one morning, Maria wakes up and Christina's bed is empty, and she knows what, where Christina has gone. And so Maria, she gets together her things, she gathers up whatever little money she saved up, and she first goes to a drugstore where they have a photo booth, and she takes as many pictures of herself as she can, and then she gets on the bus for Rio de Janeiro. And she knows that Cristina, even though she's a good girl, she, when hunger meets pride, there's no telling what somebody's will can do. We'll do desperate things in desperate times. And Maria goes around Rio de Janeiro, and she goes to where the people of bad repute will normally frequent. She goes into cheap hotels, to bars, to all sorts of places like this, and she puts a picture of herself on the bulletin boards or on mirrors and bathrooms in these really low-lying locations. And on the back of each of her pictures that she's posting around the city, she has a little note written. And eventually her pictures run out and her money runs out, and so she takes the bus and she goes back to her village in Brazil. And then one night, a couple months later, a tired and dejected Christina is walking down the stairs of a, into a cheap hotel lobby after a long night, and the eyes that were once full of joy and hope are now weary and disappointed. Her dreams have been shattered. But then she sees a familiar face looking at her from the lobby of the hotel. She goes up to this picture of her mother, and she takes it down off the bulletin board, and then on the back of it, there's a little note. On the back of the picture is the written words, Christina, it doesn't matter what you have done, whatever you have become, it doesn't matter. Just come home. And Maria got on the very next bus back to her village to reunite herself with her mother. Jesus Christ on the cross is the picture that God the Father posts for all of us who find ourselves in bad places, separated from him, living lives that we should not, or having fallen into sins. He's calling us back with the face of his Son, inviting us to be reconciled once more to him. And where does that reconciliation take place? First and foremost, in the sacrament of confession, which was instituted in today's gospel. The church has very rarely proclaimed infallibly the meaning of any single biblical verse, but this gospel today contains one of the few exceptions, where when Jesus said the words, the sins you forgive are forgiven and the sins you retain are retained, he was instituting the sacrament of reconciliation. This happened the very day of the resurrection. This was the first thing almost that our Lord did after coming back to life. 
It was as if he was dying to institute this sacrament because his whole mission was centered around the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist pointed to him on the Jordan River and said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the angel told Joseph, you shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is the mission of Christ, and this is the mission that the church continues up to this day, the forgiveness of sins. And this is the power he gave to the apostles and their successors on the day of Easter resurrection. And so we give thanks to God for this wondrous sacrament by which our sins are wiped off our souls. Jesus was God forgiving the sins as man, and God continues to forgive the sins through the men who have received holy orders. Because when we go to that sacrament of reconciliation, we are confessing our sins to to God Almighty, and it is the power of God Almighty which is wiping them clean. And that is why St. Faustina said, when you, rather, Jesus told St. Faustina, when you confess your sins, it's like taking drops of water and throwing them onto the furnace of my divine love. This is one of the greatest joys given to the burdened soul of man. We could only grow. We could only. We would save ourselves so much trouble if we would just go sooner to the sacrament of forgiveness. Because when we leave that sacrament, the Lord says to us the same words He says to the woman who was caught in adultery I do not condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And so, if it's been a while since you've been to confession, It's never too late to make amends. It's something we never regret after we've done it. We might might have some trepidation before we go, but we're always glad after the fact. And so if we're not ready yet, start praying the rosary every day, and Mary will get you ready. She will prepare you to receive this wondrous sacrament of the Lord's forgiveness. And the final thing, just a word from St. Faustina. She wrote, God will not deny his mercy to anyone. Heaven and earth may change, but God's mercy will never be exhausted. May the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the refuge of sinners, pray for us, that we who are sinners might receive forgiveness through the sacrament of reconciliation.